Hello, this is Cindy Bowen. I'm going to be teaching Wednesday nights in October at Rodney Pike Church of God on the topic of kingdom. This is session one of lesson one. And we're going to be looking very briefly at a few of the parables of Jesus from Matthew chapter 13. Jesus speaks about the kingdom of heaven and he defines it as so much more than the people who were listening that day were expecting. It is a kingdom that is coming, but it is a kingdom that is already here. You see, Revelations chapter 1 tells me that God speaks of himself in a way that transcends the temporary and the temporal. Revelations 1 and 8 in the Amplified Bible says, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. He who is, that's present tense, and who was, that's the past tense, tense, and is to come, and that speaks of the future. And the kingdom over which God rules is like him, spanning time and space. In reality, God has always ruled and guided the, the march of history in the lives of men. That's the past. There is uh, also a coming kingdom. When Jesus will split the eastern sky. And come with the armies of heaven. And will reign and rule from the throne in Jerusalem for a thousand years. That's the coming kingdom. We're not there yet. Uh, but the kingdom of heaven is also transcendent. It is present spiritually in the right now reality. It, it's in the hearts and the lives of God's people. Uh, it is expressed uh, through the relationship between God and his people built on the blood of Jesus Christ and medi mediated by the Holy Spirit. So tonight we're going to open up the Bible and we're going to look for just a little while at the word and hear what the master was saying. You know, Jesus is the master teacher. No less than 45 times in the pages of the gospel, Jesus is called teacher. And that word in the Greek, when you look it up, actually means one who imparts instruction and instills doctrine. And often Jesus used uh, the parable to teach the people who had come to hear him. He was taking everyday things and everyday situations that those listening to him knew and understood. And he would lay beside them very spiritual truths that they couldn't understand or didn't know about yet. And I've heard it said before that Jesus used parables to make spiritual things easier to understand. Uh, and to his disciples, that inner group of, of believers, uh, that was the point. But to the unbelieving Jews, to the legalistic, unspiritual men who who would never have received him and, and rejected him and had him crucified, the parables was just another thing that they were going to stumble over. They weren't going to get it. Mark chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, Jesus said and to his disciples, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. Now it wasn't that the Lord didn't want them to hear and be saved, but God knows the hearts of men. 
God knows the hearts that were rebellious and those who were, those hearts of the men who loved the reputation more than they loved him. He knew what was in the man the men's hearts. So those who had already set their heart and mind to not receive Jesus, that was a the parable was just something else for them to stumble at. So Jesus teaches the people in parables. Those who have ears to hear did. Those who did not have ears to hear did not. And in Matthew 13, we find that Jesus is teaching and these big red words. He was saying, uh, telling them stories about a sower sowing seed. And the seed, depending on where it would fall, would or would not produce a harvest. It fell on rocky ground. And it was eaten by the birds. It fell on uh, ground that had uh, just just a a little bit of dirt to it, and and it had very little uh, grew up. And the sun killed it when it came out. It was too hot, and the sun killed it. Uh, he talked about sometimes it was sown on uh, soil that had thorns and had uh, weeds in it, and and those things choked out the uh, the seed. And and finally, there was the good ground where the seed would take hold and it would produce 30, 60, and 100-fold uh, return on the investment of seed. And Jesus spoke these, this parable and the people were listening and they were hearing what he was saying. But then um, Jesus starts using words like, the kingdom of heaven is like... And everyone's ears started perking up who were listening. You have to remember who Jesus' audience is. These are Jewish men and women who are living under the heel of Rome. The Romans are cruel oppressors and they've invaded the, their homeland. Uh, the Israelites were required to pay taxes to Caesar on the land that had been handed down from their fathers and their fathers' fathers for generations. Uh, they were, the Romans would arrest their neighbors. They had them executed. They took whatever they wanted and no one could stop them. Uh, there was even a law that, uh, the, that a Roman soldier could stop a Jew, make him lay down anything he was doing, and make him carry the Roman soldier's load for one mile. And there was nothing the Jew could do about it. It wasn't fair. It felt bad. It felt uh, like a hard thing. But there was nothing they could do. It was the law. And the Jews were living under that kind of regime. They had grown up their entire lives hearing that Messiah is coming. Messiah is coming. And he's going to sit on the throne of his father David and rule and reign. These are people who have cut their teeth listening to rabbis, uh, reading Isaiah 9 and 7 in the synagogues. Uh, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. They had heard their daddy and, and their granddaddy talking about the words that the prophet Daniel spoke in uh, Daniel chapter 7, starting in verse 13. And Daniel said, In my vision at night I looked there, with, there 
before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority and glory and sovereign power in all nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. And when Jesus used the words, the kingdom of heaven, they are thinking Messiah's kingdom. And for that that first century Jew that was living under the hill of Rome, waiting for Messiah to come and set up the kingdom of heaven on earth, uh, it would have seemed like it would have been a, a wonderful thing. It would feel awfully good to see the Roman oppressors with their faces in the dirt. So when Jesus comes and, you know, he's the guy doing the miracles. He's the guy walking on water. He's the most likely candidate they've ever seen to to fulfill the Messiah role. They think maybe this is the Messiah in 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 camouflage, and of course Jesus was Messiah, but but they think maybe this is the Messiah, and we just haven't seen him in action yet. He's not coming to his power just yet. And Jesus, this one that they're looking for and saying, is this Messiah, starts talking and his discourse is, he's saying, the kingdom of heaven is like. And you better bet these people were started listening a little closer. And when Jesus starts talking, he doesn't say anything about swords. He doesn't talk about revolution. He never mentions squashing Rome like a bug. Instead, he starts talking about a garden. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who plants wheat in a field. But then an enemy comes and throws in a few handfuls of darnel or weed seeds. And I imagine these people start looking at each other and saying, did he just say what I thought he said? The kingdom of heaven's like a garden? What about the swords? What about the revolution? But Jesus keeps right on talking. The kingdom of heaven's like a mustard seed. Small, but it gets so big. The kingdom of heaven's like a woman hiding leaven or yeast in three measures of flour until all the dough is leavened and rising. And when he's done teaching and sends the people away, I imagine that some of them walked away scratching their head and thinking, well, maybe this isn't that guy we were looking for. Maybe this wasn't Messiah. And they didn't understand what the kingdom of heaven he was talking about was not the coming rule and reign in Jerusalem, but rather it was the kingdom of God in the believer's heart. And that, when it's just the Lord left with, with his inner circle of disciples, they ask him, can you explain this to us? We don't understand. And Jesus started laying out the kingdom of heaven that it's not like some political power play on the earth, but it's the long-term plan of God to have a people who will engage him and be engaged by him. It was going to be a kingdom of priests led by the great high priest himself. People changed from the inside out. 
It was God dreaming of heaven on earth. And, and let me just clarify what I'm saying here tonight. That Jesus really is coming again. And he is really going to sit on a literal throne in the literal city of Jerusalem for a thousand years. Revelations 19 starting in verse 11 uh, paints this picture for us. And it's a picture I don't ever want to let out of my sight or, or, or pass by. He said, I saw heaven open. And behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he makes he, he does judge and make war. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. He was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies were drawn heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. He has written on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. That's my Jesus. That's really coming. That's really going to happen. The king is coming and the kingdom is coming. But the kingdom of heaven is like its king. More wonderful, supernatural, a wonder and a mystery. It's like a garden sown. A long-term plan from the heart of God for the future of mankind. God changing a man from the inside out one man at a time. It's like a tiny seed planted down where no one can see what's happening. But God has given it power and explosive power at that of growth and life. It's a seed. And it starts so small in, inside of us. But it's like that little uh, that that seed that grows into the tree, the mustard seed that grows into the tree, it has so much power in it. It's like that little bit of yeast the woman has. And, and she just hides a little bit inside of her dough. But it has the power in it to change the quality and the texture of the life it's hidden in until it's bigger and better than before. You know, I'm reminded of uh, when I was a teenager myself and I had not grown up in the church. But there was uh, an aunt who would take me to Sunday school. And there was a little Sunday school teacher named Mona, uh, Mona Davis. And Miss Mona had her little Sunday school papers. And she would uh, go over those Sunday school papers and she would have us take out Bibles and look up scriptures uh, as we went and, and reading the word out loud. And she was planting these little seeds in that teenage girl's heart, in my heart, uh, that came to fruition uh, later in life when I came to the Lord as an adult and, and made that uh, lifetime decision for Jesus Christ. Those little seeds she had planted had grown. 
And, and as I ate the, the word, ate the Bible uh, and studied and prayed and went to church and I, just hiding the word in my heart, it changed me from the inside out. It was the tiny mustard seed that grew so big it took up all my life. It was that little bit of yeast that changed the quality, not only of my life itself and, uh, and the life I enjoyed, but also changed me and made me uh, a different person that I was than I was without Jesus. Jesus does some explaining to his disciples. He lays this truth on them. And the three parables that follow, starting in Matthew 13, 44 and, and following, are, I believe, a picture of how the kingdom of heaven plays out in the life of the believer, in the relationship between God and themselves. It's a give and a take and engaging and being engaged, the process of Christ ruling and reigning in us. So let's take a look right now at that first verse, verse 44. It is treasure hidden. Jesus said, again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid and for joy over it. He goes, he sells all that he has and he buys that field. And I, I just want to take note of this, that the kingdom of heaven, that relationship between God and the Christian, that give and take, engaging and being engaged is treasure. It's something of great value. Uh, uh, the the word uh, translated treasure in the King James is a Greek word which means a receptacle where good and precious things are collected and laid up. And it's hidden. It's concealed from the eyes of the casual observer. But make no mistake about it. It might be hidden, but it is a treasure and it is of great value. It's expensive in this parable. In this parable, the man uh, has to go, has to sell all that he has in order to buy the field. And I imagine in my mind someone uh, going through their their wallet and they look at their bank account and they they go through the the couch cushions on the on the. Uh, and uh, their sofa and they look between the car seats and they're trying to find all the money they can find and and they realize they're not going to come up with enough pocket change to be able to have the field the kingdom of heaven is something so valuable it costs more than our pocket change and, and i don't mean that to be uh facetious uh but uh but truthfully the kingdom of God is worth more than our leftovers. It's worth more than our scraps. Uh, the, the kingdom of God is expensive. Uh, it, it's so expensive that the man who finds it, it costs that man everything to have it. Uh, the man sells all to have the field with the treasure hidden in it. But instead of mourning that he had lost his belongings that he had to sell instead of looking with longing at, at those things which he had sold in order to have the field instead of looking at that and thinking boy I've lost something there instead there's joy it is attended by joy this man is all in he has the all-in lifestyle 
the kingdom of heaven requires that we be all in.